If you would, for just a few more minutes, remain standing and turn with me tonight to the book of Matthew, uh, chapter, give me a second here, chapter 6, I believe. Chapter 7, sorry, chapter 7 is where I'm going to start. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? No other place I'd rather be this evening. And uh, I think I say this a lot, but this is such a great place in the middle of the week to find rest and to find help to make it through the next couple of days. Amen. Feel if you are there, let's uh, take a look at this scripture in chapter 7 of Matthew, starting on uh, verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, ye who break God's laws. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Anybody remember this little old tune? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood firm. I think firm still, you know, it's debatable there. But but then it goes on to say, The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the rains came tumbling down. Come on, sing it out. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the sand went splat. You may be seated. So pretty much the gist of that is be wise. Don't be foolish. There we go. That's it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I just want to talk about foundation for a little bit tonight. Foundation. 
Foundation is very important. There's many builders here in the room tonight, and they will tell you foundation is very important. If you live in a house, foundation is very important. If you're sitting in this room right now, thank God for a foundation. It's very important. And this, of course, was a very familiar passage of Scripture. Jesus is closing his sermon on the mount. And we know that many times as he spoke, he used parables to illustrate his teachings. And this was, um, of course, the case here. And drawing on his experience in carpentry and his knowledge of construction, Jesus demonstrated the importance of a proper foundation. Jesus describes two men who each built a house. He didn't mention anything different between their skills. He didn't mention anything different about the resources they used. The only variable he identified was where each chose to build their house. Jesus noted that based on their choices, one was extremely wise, but the other extremely foolish. And again, of course, the wise man chose to build on rock, the foolish man on the sand. So what is the purpose of a foundation? I know there's many here that know the answer to this. I'm certainly not a builder or anything like that, so I took to the internet. Looked at a few different websites to make sure I got it right. The purpose of a foundation is to hold up and hold together the structure above it. Contrary to our everyday experience, the ground is not quite still and in many cases not totally solid. A house which is just plunked down on bare earth is more likely to be cracked or damaged over time by natural forces. And a properly built foundation increases the amount of abuse a house structure can take and remain safe for the people inside of it. So the man who made the better decision about where to build was a wise builder because he chose the rock as his foundation. And we might wonder, well, what made him choose this? How did he come to this decision? What convinced him to build on the rock? And Jesus, of course, doesn't go any further than just simply saying that he built on the rock. And I can imagine, especially in the, that, that day, how hard it could be to chip into the rock, level off a footing for the house. It could have taken a long time to work around rocky outcrops and to attach the structure to the bedrock. It could have been challenging to build on rocky terrain. It would have taken time. It would have taken patience and hard work. But the wise man seems to have considered such factors and to have believed it would be worth the effort. Built into the rock, his house could endure the inevitable storms that could possibly come its way. And again, there's, there's many that understand the purpose of a foundation and how foundations are built and of course, we see people dig into the ground, rebar laid, concrete poured over that, 
to help fortify and the, the rebar is there to help fortify that that concrete and that foundation. And then as a house or a building is is begin to be built, we see how they tie into into that foundation to make sure that it is firm. The foolish builder, not necessarily a bad person, wasn't a bad man, but just apparently a short-sighted and foolish one. Was it because he had too much to do or was in a hurry to have a house and get on with other concerns? We don't know. He seemed to know about building if he was going to build a house, but seemingly didn't consider the foundation to be important enough to invest more time in. His concern appeared to be on the present and on getting the house built quickly. Building on the sandy soil, I would imagine, could have been a little bit easier. Flatter ground, maybe. Without taking as much time to prepare the foundation, the entire project was, I'm sure, completed more swiftly. The foolish builder didn't seem concerned about the storms that could come its way, though. And some time after the men had built their homes, one of those severe storms began to move through the area and battered both structures. Torrents of rain poured over the rocky hills. Creeks and rivers overflooded their banks. Waters began to flood and rise and wash across the sandy ground. What is the function of a foundation? A building foundation actually performs a number of functions. And what I found to be the three most important are to bear the load of the building, to anchor it against natural forces, and three, to isolate it from ground moisture. In engineering terms, a house foundation must bear the dead and live loads of the house superstructure built on top of it. The dead load is the constant weight of the house structure itself. It's dead because it never changes. It always stays the same. The live load is the changing weights of contents and people and in cold locations and in the different climates. And uh, the live load includes the weight of, of all the movement around and things that come in and out of the building. A continuous foundation can be thought of as a single structure. All four in-ground wall footings are connected together. And it must be fairly rigid in order to transmit the weight of the building into the ground without being seriously compromised itself. So I learned a few things about foundation. But as I looked there, I really enjoyed, as it said, to bear the load of the building, to anchor it against natural forces such as earthquakes or any other calamity that may come along, and to isolate it from ground moisture. See, Jesus was illustrating that we can live wisely or foolishly. And it depends on where we lay our foundation. Jesus said if we follow him, we'll be like the wise builder. If we'll listen to his words and do what his words say, we'll be like the wise builder. 
We will come through the inevitable storms of life, the trials, the difficulties that are a part of life, because his teachings are rock-solid principles about how to live life successfully. The house built into the rock survived the downpour, but the house on the sand was demolished. And Jesus even stated, and great was its fall. In other words, it it was just completely gone. It was without repair. It was, it was wiped out. And you see, yes, it does require hard work to do these things. It requires hard work and, and a lot of time to put in to building a solid foundation. But it pays off in the long run. Jesus' words, his sayings, the, the life that he lived, the example that he gave is the best place to begin to build our foundation. They provide a solid foundation for our lives, for our families, for our our friendships, the associations that we have, and and the the people that we meet along the way. And it amazes me sometimes how few people can grasp the importance of the foundation that Jesus described. You know, it's easy to just walk in. We, we hear this all the time, but it's so easy to just kind of walk in here and just do this and, and just be here. But there's more to it than that. That's not a foundation. That's a start, but it's not a foundation. In Matthew seven twenty eight, we see where the people actually began to kind of catch what he's saying. And it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowns were amazed at his teachings. There's only one sure foundation for living an abundant life, and that is in Jesus Christ. Anybody say amen to that? There's only one sure way to find a foundation, and that's through him. That foundation includes his life. That foundation includes his death. That foundation includes his resurrection. And it instructs us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning verse 10 says, Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Don't you realize that all you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. God wants a foundation inside of us. He wants us to be footed and firm on foundation. What kind of foundation do we have? What are we anchored to? How do we build this foundation? That's what the whole Sermon on the Mount is about. Three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, is Jesus laying the foundation on how his people should live. 
he starts with the Beatitudes in chapter 5. And in one of those key verses, verse 6, he says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. He wants us to hunger after him. He wants us to thirst after him. He wants us to daily be seeking after him, looking after him, trying to get more and more and more of him so that we are continually, continually filled. And if we're searching constantly after him, we have no way to be distracted by anything else. We have no way to be distracted by the things of this world. We have nothing else for us to worry about if we're constantly looking towards him. Seek after him and seek after his righteousness and you will be filled. Thirst after the word. Thirst after righteous living. Then he goes on in verse 13 and says, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We're to be his examples. We are to be a good savoring flavor. We are to be a light that shines out. A foundation for somebody else. Chapter 6, Jesus begins to teach us how to pray. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their word. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Just time out for a second. This doesn't mean we don't pray together. This doesn't mean we can't openly pray in front of each other. What he's saying is you need to take those times, those moments by yourself. You need to learn to pray by yourself, be in communication with him by yourself in in a secret place where it's just you and him. Continuing on, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Sometimes that's hard when you're really tired or you don't know what to pray and you find yourself just rambling and rambling and then it's just repeating. Be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If we want a foundation, if we want an anchor, we have to pray. We have to learn to pray. Even the disciples asked him to teach them to pray. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And the only way you can learn to do it is by repetition. And of course, he goes on to talk about money and wealth, our needs, our provisions, 
he asked the question, where is your treasure? He says, what master do you serve? Man, that anytime that question kind of comes up, where is my treasure? What master do I serve? And at first, you, well, God, you, of course. I, I, I think my treasure's in you. I, 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 am I serving you, God? Am I doing all that you want me to do? Is your treasure in your work? Is it in your possessions, your school, your entertainment? He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. Let not your heart be troubled. His tender word I hear and resting on his goodness. I lose my doubts and fears, though by the path he leadeth, but one step I may see. Whenever I am tempted, whenever clouds arise, when songs give place to sign, when hope within me dies, I draw the closer to him. From care he sets me free. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So is our foundation pointing us away from him? Pointing us to things that we think we have to have? Things that we have to, to get a hold of, get our grasp on? Or do we just look to him and let him provide for us and be our provision? And that should be our priority, to seek him. Our priority should be to seek his kingdom. Our priority should be to seek to please him. To not seek uh, to please man, to not please anybody around us, but to please our creator. Paul said in 2 Timothy, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. This word is where we learn our foundation. It's through the word that we begin to know God. And when we mix that with that prayer, that's when we begin to get in communication with him and begin to, to get that relationship. And it's in that word and in that prayer that that concrete begins to get poured and begins to harden. 
And it's in that word and in that prayer time that the footings begin to be put into place. And that foundation begins to be tied down. Where is our foundation tonight? Proverbs chapter 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Today, now more than ever, do we need to be sure that Christ is our foundation, that our hope is put in him, that our trust is put in him. Our hope set on him. Because this world is not my home. This world is not our home. I've got to be placed on a solid rock. And I want to be like the wise man who builds my house on the rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. I'm thankful that I can know the cornerstone. I'm thankful that I know that, that though many have tried to reject him, that that cornerstone still remains firm. That that rock is still strong. Amen? If we can stand tonight... This week is, and not like nobody would know what's going on, but it's kind of just a tough week to be a part of humanity. And, um, man, I don't think things will ever get better. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse. But we, we, we need to now more than ever be sure that our foundation is where it's supposed to be. We need to be sure that our foundation is tight. We need to make sure that our foundation is strong on the rock. And, you know, maybe there was a day where it was a little easier to say, you know, I've got time. Maybe there was a, maybe, maybe there was a day when, when I wouldn't say it was okay to say that, but maybe you didn't feel so pressed. But I think now more than ever, there's no way any of us could ever say, I've got till tomorrow. There's no way I can, I can stand and say, I, I'll give my life. To, we can't do that. We've got to be sure that our foundation is in Jesus Christ and it's set. And we can't just, can't just, you know, sometimes, even though buildings have been around for a long time, sometimes they still have to go in and fill in cracks. Sometimes they've got to go in and, and, and maybe put in... Um, new footers. And so it doesn't matter how long ago that you found your foundation in Jesus Christ. You know, you might just have a few cracks that need filled. Sometime along the way, you might just need to to just get a little bit of strengthening put in there. But now more than ever, we need to be sure that our foundation is in Jesus Christ, that we are on the solid rock. Amen. Raise your hands with me tonight. Heavenly Father, God, you are so good. 
Christ alone, God, you and you alone, oh God. My hope, let it be found in you, oh God. Lord, there's so many things that try to, to, to get my attention. There's so many things in this world that try to just pull me away. But Lord, let me ever seek after you. Lord, my trust in you, oh God. Oh Christ, the solid rock I stand. All the other ground around me is sinking sand. This world is sinking sand. Oh, but you are the solid rock. And let me stand firm on your word. Lord, let me stand firm on this word that you've given us, this instruction, oh God. Oh, in Christ alone, I stand in you, oh Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Christ alone, cornerstone, the weak made strong in the Savior's love. And through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. See it again. And Christ alone, cornerstone, the weak made strong in the Savior's love. And through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to be like the wise man and build my house on the solid rock. I don't want to be foolish. You know, it's easy. We automatically just think that that when you read that, they're just talking about the storms of life. But it goes much further than that. Because in that scripture, Jesus was saying that, that those that heed to my word, that listen to all that I'm telling. So if you'll follow everything that he was talking about there throughout the Beatitudes, that come the end of your life, come judgment day, it'll be a lot easier for him to say, you know what, you were wise. Whereas if we just kind of just skip on some things, I'll just do this, I'll just take the easy way this way, there's a very good chance that when Judgment Day comes, God can just simply say, you were, you were just a little bit foolish in some areas. So I, I don't think I really knew you. I want to be the wise man. I want to be built on his rock. Amen. Amen. This Sunday, reminder, we have the Will Banks ministering with us on Sunday morning. We had them a couple years ago. They are phenomenal. Um, I've had a chance to work with them in the past and do some camps with them. They are a blast uh, to just sing and play with, and they are just wonderful in, in leading in music and ministering. And uh, so remember that this Sunday. Invite some friends, invite some family, and uh, we're looking forward to a good time in the Lord Sunday morning. Have a wonderful evening and have a good rest of the week. You're dismissed.